Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. Darwin Sanford, the head of the Film Arts Program at Langara College in Vancouver. We've discovered over the 12 years we've been operating that we can actually train up anybody that comes in with a beginner's mind, that has passion, that is collaborative. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? You can't go to the newspaper and say, okay, where's the job for a director? Where's the job for writing? It's about networking. It's about doing your own work and showing it. And then people go, oh, that's interesting. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and joining me is our co-host, Fred Keating. Fred is in some exotic location scouting interviews for the podcast. He might even tell us where he is. I'm not really sure. But I'm in Vancouver, Canada, and I'm at Langara College. It's a place we've been before. Fred, tell me who we have as a guest. Well, I will, Marvin, uh, because I'm particularly pleased uh, that we have with us today Garwin Sanford. And Garwin Sanford is a Canadian actor who, in my mind, is one of the best examples of an individual who can, in fact, create a number of roles on stage, on film, and at the same time balance that with an incredibly interesting position as the head of the film arts program at Langara College in Vancouver. By all accounts, he's a fantastic mentor. So let's talk about the program here at Langara. What do you want to tell us? I think, personally, that this is one of the best programs in the country. We started 12 years ago. Alison Drysdale set up the program. I was part of setting up the acting and voice program at the time and part of the directing. We set up a program that had three separate streams, acting, writing, and directing. We take a maximum of 12 students in each stream, small classes, one-on-one mentorship with the instructors so you get a lot of time, personal attention. And we actually shoot 24 short films every year. So we shoot 12 in the spring term and 12 in the summer term. And it's the only school I know of anywhere that actually involves actors, writers, and directors together as producers as well. So we teach them produce. We don't just teach them their own streams. They learn to produce. They learn about every aspect of what's on set. Block, light, shoot protocols, all the things about being industry standard. That's what we call it. So they go through this program. The first films are three to five minutes just to get their feet wet. So they understand how to run it on a set, how to, the directors are learning to work with the actors. The actors learn to work with directors. Writers get on set. They get to see how their words are used and what the effect it has. And sometimes they'll go, I wouldn't have written the Mercedes goes into the ditch. It would have been the Junker Pinto or whatever. (laughs) But they begin to understand exactly what it means to have the actors have to say what they write. They begin to understand how a director is affected by a, a direction that they give in their little screen descriptions. And they start to say, oh, now I understand how to write differently. The directors start watching everybody. They start to work with crews. They get the experience that they have to have to be hands on. And that's what we do. We're very hands-on. We have theory. But it's that, that whole program runs for only eight months. And in that eight months, we throw so much at you. It's amazing how many jobs that you have to do by the time you leave. We do what we call the global approach. We're a division of Studio 58. It's a North America-renowned theater program. So we're their film branch. They have the global approach, which what we mean by that is that we have literally every person that's in it has to work in all the different positions. So we do the same thing. Uh, So that by the time they've left, they've been doing sound, they've done grip, they've done electric, they've done DP, they've done camera operator. They've worked on so many different levels that they understand all the positions that are needed. So when they do produce, because we teach them to produce, they know what those jobs are required so they can hire people, they know when it's being done right or not. So what happens is, is when they leave, they don't have to wait for a phone call. 
they can start making their own material. And we've been very successful at that. And just recently, well, actually, last night was the Leo Awards, June 5th on Sunday, and seven of our graduates were nominated for Leos. And there was two for producing, two for acting, one for directing, and one for writing. So everything we teach was represented at that Leos, and that's because of the stuff they produce. Now, for the benefit of our international listeners, please tell us what the Leo Awards are. The Leos are local industry awards for people that make movies in B.C. So anything that's shot here in British Columbia is actually able to be nominated and put forward for these awards. So this year there were a 1,000 nominations out of all these things. And the three nights in a row, they went in and had the awards for screenwriting and editing and casting and directing and all the various jobs inside the industry. Garwin, I have two questions. Uh, First of all, where do your students come from? And secondly, what do they have to bring to the table in order to be accepted into this kind of prestigious program? We had designed the program originally. The requirement was two years of post-secondary education and a related field of some sort. And we discovered quite quickly that that wasn't actually who we were attracting. The students that were coming to us, probably a third of those are those types of people. They've had theater programs. They've been in three years of acting and they decided they want to learn how to do film or they've been taking film studies somewhere. So about a third of our students are that. The other two-thirds are a mix of ages from 19 to 55. That's the oldest person we've had come through the program. They've been in the industry, they've been trying to do other things, and they've discovered that they have lacking in certain skills and they want to get them better. And then we have people coming straight out of high school. The program is very intense, so sometimes that isn't a mix for necessarily for people that are coming through high school straight to us. So we're very strict on how we do this. We have an interview situation. All people have to be interviewed. All of the actors have to then audition and they, I send them a scene, they pick one, and then they pick a monologue. I direct them for about an hour, so I get a sense of who they are, and, and they get a sense of how I work as well, so to see whether they want to come or not, because that's another component. I don't want them to show up and go, oh, I don't like the way you teach. So they get a real sense from that hour how I deal with actors and how I set that up. The writers have to submit written material, no matter what they're writing. We've had people who are poets, and we just looked at their poetry. We've had people who are industrial writers and commercial writers, where they'd be writing for magazines. And actually, one of our best writers, I think, that went through the program came from that area. And then we have other people who've been writing short films and parts of features and could never finish. So they submit those. And then Gary Fisher, who's the head of our writing department, and myself read them over and then we both meet them for an interview each and decide whether they work we have a panel that we in uh, afterwards and we discuss and then for the directors they have to actually submit something they've shot a two to three minute film I want to see how they work with actors how they look at the world through the lens how they edit because they have to edit them themselves and then we have another interview where I talk to them and have a look at and discuss what worked, what didn't work in your film, what were you reaching for. So I get an idea of where they are in their film understanding, their film knowledge. That is still what I consider to be a minor part of the mix because we've discovered over the 12 years we've been operating that we can actually train up anybody that comes in with a beginner's mind, that has passion, that is collaborative, respectful of the film atmosphere and the film world so that you can work as a team, a collaborative effort, team building. So they all set up, they come into this program and we say, okay, if you have that kind of thing going for you, we can train you up. And we've discovered that that's the biggest component for us. If we take people in that come in going, oh, I already know how to do this. I just want to make a couple of films. And many people are attracted to our program for that. We're the only school where every writer gets two films produced. Every director directs two films. Everyone. The actors are in leads in numerous films. We're the only school that guarantees that. So they come for that reason. And sometimes 
they think I already know everything. If we have that sense in the interview, we're not as predisposed to let them in because it's a closed mindset. They're not actually thinking about, we're coming with a beginner's mind. We're coming here to learn. And then those are the students that do really well. Do you ever find yourself in the audition situation where you see a young person that has potential, but you perhaps have already seen a number of folks enough that would fill your program for a year or so, and then you say to this other young person, we see potential here, but you may want to get just a little more life or industry experience and, and do audition again in a, in a year or two. Do you ever put them on ice like that? This has happened a number of times. In fact, the, the best example recently was a young girl came to the program about four years ago. She auditioned for the acting stream, and I said, you're not ready. This program is very intense. It's very hands-on, very immediate, and there's no room to have to we don't take you, we're not entry level. We can't take you from the beginning and run you through because it's only eight months. Everyone has to have some background, pretty much. There is an exception, which I'll talk about in, in a minute. But I told her, I said, you're not ready. You need to do some more training before you can come to us. She was very disappointed, but she went away. And two years later, she reapplied. And in that two years, she had done a nice progression. I said, okay, you're ready to come to us. And that year, she won the Achievement in Acting Award, which the jury gives out. We bring a, a industry professionals in and do juries of our films, and she won Best Acting. So if I'd brought her and let her come the first time she applied, she would not have done well. So that is definitely one of the factors. And that's, we want to bring people in that we know will be successful. I'm not trying to fill seats. I don't want to just have you, oh yes, you got the money you're in. I want you to be able to succeed. I don't want to come here and have you fail. I don't want to set anybody up for that. And there are exceptions. I got into theater school because Anthony Holland, who was running Studio 58 at the time, let me in when he shouldn't have let me near a theater school. I had no experience at all. I really didn't intend to go to the school. And they, you know, out of 400 people, they take like 16. And I got an acceptance letter in the mail. And I, it changed my life completely. So I still have what I call the wild card. Some people that I think they have no background, no training, but I can see the spark. That's what Anthony said to me. I saw a spark, so he let me in. And I've, let, I've done that every year, one or two students every year. It's a payback to my mentors. It's a, a way of mentoring. And last year, for example, I had a student apply, and his best friend applied as well because he had applied. His friend said, look, oh, just apply. You might get in. You know, I'm going. We can hang out together. So he applied, and I wasn't expecting much because he said I'd never done anything ever. And I said, okay. He came in, and I went, whoa, there was a spark there. And there was also an accessibility to emotion, and he could actually, he was a natural actor, which is rare. So I let him in. He went through the program. He ate it up. He got confused in the beginning because all of a sudden technique was thrown at him, and he wasn't quite sure how to handle that, but I teach him how to do that. He leaves the program after eight months. He's the first, within two weeks, he's the first guy to get an agent. Deb Dillstone picked him up, who's one of the best agents in town. A couple weeks later, he lands his first role, which is a recurring role in the show called Second Chance. He gets four episodes. His first gig is a recurring role in a series. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then he gets a feature. And then, so you never know, right? You kind of look at each one and say, what is it that I see, and am I going to take the chance? Am I going to mentor them at this situation? Now, Garwin, you're starting to get into something that I wanted to talk about because, of course, this podcast is called Monetizing Your Creativity. So what do the career prospects look like for graduates of this program? Well, right now, the business is taking off. So it's been really incredible. Like I said, the Leo Award just happened. We had seven nominations, and these are from people producing their own work. They're also getting out there and doing other things. Like, for example, Travis Turner is a graduate of the program. He's been a 
regular on some assembly required for the last three years. That series is just finishing. He's just booked 52 episodes of an animation series where he's the lead, so he goes off and works. We've got Jesse Irving, who's done that, uh, recurring in Second Chance. We have Nadia Shetyar, who's writing for Some Assembly Required. She was nominated. We have um, Siobhan Singh, who was working on Van Helsing and now is going off to the reboot of Reboot as a writer. Melanie Jones wrote and produced that feature, which has now been nominated. Melanie Jones wrote, produced, and directed a, a feature called FSM, which went to Whistler, it went to Nice, it went to the Women's Film Festival, is now going to the Female Eye in Toronto, and was nominated for a Leo for directing for that. So they, they actually literally go out and make shows. Ingo Liu and Amy Fox. Amy Fox was nominated for producing, so was Ingo, for a series called The Switch. They produced six episodes of a series, and then Out TV picked it up for broadcast. So they're going out and making these products and they are actually getting out. That's why I think the strength of the program is is they can produce. And the market is opening up right now. We're so busy in BC. The opportunities are rising and it's evident with all those those nominations that the work they're doing out there. The, the Danny Zapparosen got best lead in a feature and the movie that they did, The Evil Among Us, is extremely uh, low budget but is now getting a lot of press and a lot of nominations. So again, they make this product, they go out into the real world and do it and they work in the industry in other positions. Our directors go off and they work in the camera department because as a director, for example, you're not going to get a job right away. No one's going to hire you out of film school to direct their TV series or a feature or anything else. So you have to make your own product. In the meantime, you can work in the sound department, you can work in the grip department, you can work in the electric department, you can be in camera department, something that's associated, you start networking. And this is what we suggest. We have a career class in the second term that teaches that, that shows them how to get mentors, how to move into the industry. We've made alliances with IATSE 669, for example. Our program, they have a 30-day prerequisite on-set prerequisite to actually train with them. Our program satisfies that 30 days because they know what we do. They've come here, they've seen us, they know that we spend 60 days on set, we film, so our program satisfies that so they can go straight into the training. So this is what we try to do. We take the program and we move them into positions so they get into the industry, they can start networking, they can work on professional films and then make their own. And Chris O'Brien is one of the prime examples. He came through the program as a director. He loved doing sound. He's now a professional sound guy on set. He works all the time. He just took five weeks off recently and shot his first feature. He finished the feature, went right back to doing sound, and now he's cutting it, putting it together. This is exactly what we teach. Is exactly what we suggest. It's the way you do in the industry here. You can't. There's. You can't go to the newspaper and say, "Okay, where's the job for a director? Where's the job for writer?" It's about networking. It's about doing your own work and showing it, and then people go, "Oh, that's interesting." You go to festivals with it, and. And that's the other strength of our program. In the last 12 years, we've had 16 films go to major festivals. Four to TIFF, five to Whistler. We've gone to one in Hawaii. We've gone to Montreal. We've gone to Los Angeles. Three, three of them went to Los Angeles. So there's, it's a real exposure, and that's how you start. You get it out there. Garwin, it's also a real tribute to the, uh, to the consistency in the program. Tell me about the diversity aspects of the selections that you make. Do you have students from other countries? The diversity is fantastic. This year we have two 
three students from Brazil. Last year we had one from the Philippines, we've had them from Finland, Denmark, uh, Mexico, Australia. We have one from India this year. We had two from Pakistan and two from Turkey in the past. We've had, I guess over the years, we've had probably 12 or 13 First Nations students. So what's great about that is they bring their own cultures, their own stories, their own way of seeing the world. And I really reach out for that. As I'm picking the cohort, we don't just take first come, first served. The first six in each of the 12 positions I'll take as merit as it rises. Then the second half, I wait. Gender diversity, I try 50-50 on directors. Really important to get women in the director's seats, I believe. So if I have all guys, I wait and I say, okay, the next six, I'm going to wait to see how many women I get. And it's all merit-based. I'm not letting them in just because they're a woman, but they have merit. So we bring them all in. Uh, Same thing with all the different races as well. The second half, I want to see what we have. And then those are chosen. I want a diverse, well-rounded, very eclectic group of filmmakers because then we have a lot of different ways of telling stories. And that's one of the strengths, I think, why it keeps fresh is because we keep doing that. And I think that's why the program has survived so well. Fred, I think there's so much going on in this person's mind. We need to invite ourselves back. What do you say? Well, you know, Marvin, he has given us about uh, 45 minutes of material in 20 minutes, so... He's like the Energizer Bunny. (laughs) This is what people say, yes. All that aside, Mr. Bunny, uh, would it it bother you terribly if we showed up on your doorstep again and continued to mine this uh, motherload of information? Your own backstory is worthwhile sharing because it'll give some context to uh, the way that you've shaped this film program. Absolutely, Fred. Anytime. Uh, More than interested for two reasons. One, actors always love to talk about themselves. But secondly, uh, I love the school. I took over as a head of school a couple of years ago because I wanted to see it grow and brand us. This is part of it. Okay, it's decided. Next episode, Garwin talks about himself because that's what he loves to do. (laughs) Thank you so much, Fred and Marvin. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.